0: Lawns. Most of us have fond memories of sitting out on a lawn in summertime, being shown how to make a daisy chain. Lounging about on a lawn is a most wonderful way to pass the time. And now, as we progress through springtime in lockdown, the annual tradition of maintaining the lawn is upon us. I am reliably informed that caring for the lawn is a burdensome task and even the most traditional gardening books declare lawn maintenance to be a nuisance. According to convention, a top quality lawn is neat. It should be allowed to grow no more than three and a half centimeters long and must be mown regularly through the growing season. Lawn care in spring involves applying sand to quell the growth of moss, sweeping away worm casts as they appear, cutting the edges neatly, scarifying the soil with a rake, and later on, clearing away the dead moss. And this is just the care required in spring. So how is it that a manicured lawn came to be such an essential part of modern day gardens? It seems that lawns first became a thing when medieval French and English aristocrats kept carefully cropped grassed areas around their castle entrances. In the 1700s, the newly designed gardens at Versailles included grassy lawns called tapis verts, or green carpets. Around the same time, the stately homes of Britain became fond of large green lawns. Expanses of manicured grass surrounding country mansions were often maintained using scythes. Using a scythe requires a good deal of skill, and scything a large area of lawn was labour-intensive and time-consuming so only the very wealthy could afford to keep a large lawn. The very idea that grass would be grown to be manually mowed for purely aesthetic purposes was absolutely ostentatious. A much more common practice in these olden days would have been to keep a cottage garden with edible and medicinal plants, useful plants. Because the other thing about a lawn is that it is almost completely useless. But with human psychology being such a perplexing thing, lawns, expensive and impractical as they are, became a highly desirable status symbol. The invention of a mechanical lawnmower in 1830 made lawn maintenance a whole lot more feasible. And by the early 1900s, expanses of lawn had become a feature of public parks and private gardens. Playing fields for soccer, Football, tennis and other games require a well-kept lawn. But in the 1950s, with the spread of suburbia, lawn culture really took off. A well-tended suburban lawn came to represent conformity and control. Selective herbicides kill the weeds. More chemical sprays kill the moss. Pesticides to ward off critters. A whole suite of novel chemicals designed to stamp out diversity. Lawns are a neatly reconstructed version of nature. They are green but tame. Straight lines, levels, sharp edges and rules. A well-kept lawn is a botanical desert. Some have gone so far to say that lawns are a war against nature. Compare this to a semi-natural grassland, grazed pasture rich in wildflowers, hay meadows full of blossom, where the colour palette changes through the year. Pale pinks and whites emerge from the fresh green sward in spring. Midsummer is characterised by rich yellows and blues. And in late summer, meadows and pastures abound with purple hues. The grasses, sedges and wildflowers are all adapted to the type of soil, the specific conditions in each piece of ground. There is diversity and abundance. These wildflowers in among the grassy sward are what feed the bees and the butterflies, the moths and the crickets, the web of life that sustains the birds and the mammals. There is certainly no such thing as a monoculture lawn in nature. I've heard people comment on Zoom about how they didn't manage to cut the lawn until August, it being such a strange year last year, and how this worked out wonderfully, with a massive increase in moths and butterflies. Just one year and so much change. My elderly uncle, a keen garden enthusiast, gave in to my talk of making space for bees and other pollinators and decided to ease up on his stringent mowing regime last summer. By September, he too was excited by how many more butterflies, bees and even birds that had taken to visiting his suburban garden. Our cultural attachment to neatness and order may be passing its peak. A growing trend in public parks is to set aside areas for wildflowers to grow, giving habitat to wildlife where manicured lawns fail. With one third of the 98 wild bee species in Ireland at risk of extinction, every wildflower counts. And as the intensification of many agricultural grasslands continues apace, wildlife needs all the allies it can get. If this is a war against nature, then gardens could be part of the peace treaty. Ireland's brand new All-Ireland Pollinator Plan invites us to pledge our gardens for pollinators. It suggests actions such as no mow may. I reckon it's about time we rethink the old convention of keeping a well-manicured lawn, loosen our control of nature, and let some diversity back into our lives.